0: Hello, everyone, and a very pleasant day to each and every one of you. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. want to welcome you to uh, the next edition of the Dr. Coach Show podcast series. We are in a very unique time right now, and so there's a lot of people um, who are experiencing different things, mental and, and uh, physical issues. And, and it's so important for us, I feel, to make sure that we are adhering and addressing any of those, um, you know, I, I, I've always been a very big component, obviously, um, on the mental health and how the mental and physical always have some sort of correlation, right? And what I do as far as bringing people on this show um, is try to give the listeners some sort of value, some sort of information that they may or may not be aware of as it relates to mental and/or physical health. And a lot of times uh, we find that oftentimes these things go hand in hand and oftentimes it, it goes unnoticed okay and what you know we can refer to as the secret behind diet and performance is your gut health you know we ta- we hear about all these different diets we hear about all these different types of you know, you know nutritional and dietary you know uh, strategies and so forth and people having uh, health issues and a lot of times and I, I put myself in this category uh we don't realize that a lot of these issues might be coming up from somewhere else. Okay, and so you know today to help me uh, to help us understand uh, the importance and the significance of our gut health, um, I've brought on my good friend Joseph Bartoloni. He's a registered dietitian, and you know he'll he'll give you a story right now, but you know he'll he'll tell you about his, how he got into what he's into today. And you know his his motivation. So, uh, you know, welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: Hey, how's it going, Danny? Uh, I love that introduction. <laughs> I am very interested in all of the things that you had mentioned. Um, and over the past couple months, I have been getting very into the physical and mental kind of relationship between the gut and brain. Um, I am a registered dietitian. I passed my exam last year. I currently work part-time at a mental health facility that specializes in eating disorders. And I also have my own business dealing with individuals that have gut health issues and helping them heal their gut health issues so that they could uh, properly fuel their bodies with nutrition.
0: Okay, that's awesome, man. I mean, I know, I know you're doing a lot of good things with a lot of people and you're making some good uh changes in their lives so um so like you know i I understand you know everything that you're doing now so like you know give me give us a little background and a little understanding of kind of what motivated you to focus on gut health because i know there's a lot of people and you know i know some good people who who are registered dietitians but what is specifically that you know motivated you to focus on the gut health
1: Uh, yeah. So (laughs) pretty much like a lot of things that occurred throughout my life have led me to this point. Um, when I was a young child, I was like five years old. My father died of a heart attack. That was kind of the first, um, the first introduction I had into health and like disease. Um, and at that young age, I really didn't know kind of what death meant or what like a heart attack was, what disease was. So I remember at that young age, just being very interested in like health and disease and what causes it. Um, so growing up, that was just always something that I had on my mind and I thought about. And like the more I looked into kind of the physiology of a heart attack, One thing I noticed was that the ways that they treated it, like nutrition was a big thing in ways to treat and prevent heart disease. So that sparked my interest right away. And then as I started getting older, I started looking kind of at the different ways that they treat heart disease. And one thing, like, I kind of never really understood the medical interventions for it. So I was kind of just drawn to, the more like natural methods of preventing it rather than waiting till it was too late to treat, which makes a lot of sense now because that's one of the things that I focus on most is, um, prevention kind of, of the problem rather than letting the problem get out of control. So ultimately that kind of led me down the more like a dietitian route. And rather than going to like medical school or, doing like a, a kind of medical route and then so after that when I finally got into a program for dietetics uh, I was going to school and then I was learning a lot of stuff like I loved all of the microbiology physiology um, I learned a lot of useful information but about like maybe like halfway through my college career I started getting like really really bad abdominal pain and like gut health or kind of like gut issues. And this kind of threw me off the path that I was on because I had this, all this like general information on health and nutrition. And I followed most of the information and I was really like meticulous with how I ate and like trying to always eat healthy and everything so it really kind of threw me off when I had my own gut health issues. So after I kind of had these issues, I really started to look more into like what might be causing the issues. So some of the things that I was having constantly after um, this issue happened. So it was kind of it was kind of a weird thing. Like it happened kind of all at once. There was like a sudden way. I sudden changed in the way I like digested foods and the way I felt. I like was having a lot of fatigue, constipation, uh, diarrhea. I couldn't sleep. My mental clarity going through school was like really, really messed up. My, I had, I had asthma as a child, but I didn't really have trouble breathing until all of this stuff happened. Then I was just having trouble breathing at night. And ultimately, I had like a feeling of inadequacy, like there was something wrong with me. So all of these issues kind of led me down this path to um, focusing more on gut health. And so when I did start focusing on gut health before I got into like practicing it and treating other people, I kind of looked into methods for myself. So the first thing I did was I kind of started cutting out foods to try and um, treat the symptoms that I had. And I had a lot of success with this, but the problem was that I pretty much reduced my diet down to like <laughs> simply like a few different kinds of meat and like different kinds of vegetables. I couldn't, there were even a lot of vegetables and fruits that I kind of have because they caused a lot of symptoms. So I was doing this and I pretty much did this for a long time in order to control my symptoms. But what I ultimately realized over time was that even though this was good at controlling my symptoms, it didn't really solve any of the problems. So this kind of led me first. I mean, it got really, really bad where I was in like pain every day and I was having a lot of issues with my digestion. So I tried to go like to my doctor I got referrals for gastroenterologists, the doctor gave me medications, Um, the medications like made it worse, so I stopped taking the medication, I got uh, endoscopy, which is where they stick like a camera down your throat, and then they try to see if there's anything wrong in like your upper GI tract, and... So after they did this, they like, I was just looking for anything, like any kind of answer because I was really uh, confused by everything that was going on. But like going to the doctor and doing all of this is kind of what made me look more into this. So when the doctor gave me the medication, I started looking into the medication and what it actually does, and I noticed a lot of issues with it. The medication they gave me was one that kind of, um, suppress stomach acid secretion which is a common medication they give to people and the issue with that is that a lot of people with GI issues may actually have issues because they're not producing enough stomach acid and when you don't produce enough acid that could cause like pathogens from foods to get into your stomach and not be killed off and then make their way into small intestine so when I was looking into that, I really started noticing a lot of issues with, with how these, um, conditions were treated. Even the endoscopy that they gave me, they kind of came back and told me that I had g- gastritis, esophagitis. And I was like, I was very hopeful when I got those diagnoses back. But then like when I looked into them and like kind of asked them what, like, what do we do about this? It was just more or so like the same medications, and then when I actually like started looking into the issues, I realized like all oh, that gastritis and esophagitis means is inflammation, but the inflammation doesn't really tell you where the problem is coming from. Inflammation is a reaction normally to like an infection or something going wrong wrong physiologically in the body. So. After this is when I really started researching a lot into gastrointestinal issues and when people have them, like why there is such an issue with um, like the medications that are given and in fixing them. So ultimately, this kind of led me looking into a different route to treat my gastrointestinal issues. And after all of my research and everything, I really um, got into a different way of looking at it. So the way that I kind of took care of my own issues is with um, some herbal, like herbal supplements that I use, which are good at kind of rebalancing the gut microbiome. They could help to get rid of pathogens that may be within your gut, and that could help balance out the other uh good organisms that live in your gut so and that could get very detailed um i don't want to go into too much detail on that but ultimately this like led me to being able to reintroduce the foods that i wasn't able to have and so now uh my diet looks very different than it did before when i had these issues now i'm allowed to have like a lot of the foods that would cause me a lot of um, gastrointestinal issues before like some of the main ones like I I could not have coffee before and now I'm having it every day and it does not cause me any issues. There's just a bunch of foods like pretty much a lot of the acidic foods I couldn't have before. um, Now I could have them without any issues and then also the uh, symptoms that I was having before they used to be like every day and one of the worst things was that i couldn't get any sleep i would just not be able to sleep on top and turn i would wake up with like noises coming from my stomach um and this like just wrecked my whole day and that was happening daily so now i still do sometimes get symptoms but i go i go weeks without having any symptoms so like compared to having them every day. It's a lot better now. So, in dealing with this in my own in my own way, I kind of uh, figured out how to deal with it for myself. But I also spent many hours researching and looking into how to treat gastrointestinal disorders. And a lot of the things I noticed was kind of the disconnect between how these disorders are treated in um, conventional medicine like at the doctor today and the actual research that's like on PubMed like actual peer-reviewed journals that state kind of successful and beneficial ways of treating these disorders and really like none of them are being kind of practiced in the conventional medicine system today and that's not that's not like a kind of like a a jab at them it's just i think the conventional medical system we have today is a lot more focused on like very serious issues like before things can be prevented like for instance a lot of the gastro gastroenterologists like focus on cancer focus on um like perforation in the gi tract they focus on like other kind of diseases and disorders that are kind of results of not taking care of these functional gastrointestinal disorders. So after after looking into all this, looking at all the research, finding out all this, and actually being able to treat myself, I realized that there's a lot of people that, that have these issues and that um, as a registered dietitian... And knowing all of the things that I've seen, looking into all of the research, and actually seeing the results for myself, that I can actually make a difference and help a lot of these people that have those gastrointestinal issues. And overall, like like I mentioned, the, the conventional medicine system kind of um, is good at dealing with like serious health issues like cancer, like perforations of the GI tract, but taking care of your gut health ahead of time is a really easy first step to take. And there's really not a lot of downside. It's a very low risk, high reward first step that everyone could take, um, towards bettering their health. So overall, why I got into this practice and focusing on gut health is because, um, I do believe that maybe about like 80% of the population would benefit from taking care of their gut health first. And then uh, there are always going to be people that may need further kind of medical um, treatment. But I think it's a very like low amount of the population compared to people that can fix their issues by taking care of
0: the gut health first that's awesome man that's an awesome story and you know I, I could definitely appreciate what started you and what what sparked that fire and and now you're passing along your gift because i really felt a gift to help other people you know and this is you know this is why i'm bringing you on because so many people don't realize The importance of gut health you know before talking to you i didn't realize it and we'll talk about more of that more of that in a second but i definitely you know can appreciate the you know your your approach to saying that it would be beneficial for people to take a preventative approach compared to waiting until things get bad you know because i take the same approach in my practice you know working with mental performance, working with my athletes, oftentimes even when you know, I talk to an athlete or coach, and I tell them about what I do, okay, majority of them, you know, they understand and they can appreciate and they know the importance of the mental game, right? But it's been a few. I mean, it's been a handful of times where I've had responses like, "Okay, yeah, um, you know, I, you know, love what you do. I'll, I'll contact you when I need you." Okay. And then have other people saying, all right, you know, let's do this. Like, I want to get to work, you know, I want to learn, right? And so the analogy I use, you know, to get people to understand the importance of taking that preventative approach is like you and I are very familiar being from Southern California of wildfires, right? And, you know, it's it's very similar because... And this is very you know, relatable to your approach and what you do because, you know, looking at wildfires, right? If, you know, we wait as, you know, as we are a state very at risk for wildfires and we're coming up on that season pretty soon, if we wait and allow brushes to form and, and not take care of that stuff, right? It's going to be so much harder to put it out compared to if we were to take a preventative approach. And, you know, clear out as much brush or clear out as much whatever is out there that puts, you know, these these fires at you know, to stop the risk of them spreading or catching fire in the first place. If we take that preventative approach, if and when those fires do come up, because it's likely that they will, we are better able to control it, right? And so I, I really feel that analogy, it's like right there with what you and I both do. And that's what I tell people, I, you know, even you know, when I practice at I home. Listen, okay, if you want to wait until things are bad, when shit hits the fan, you know, it might be it, it's so much more difficult to deal with the issue when you're trying to put out fires, right? When you're trying to like when you're when you're not level headed, right? Um, when, when typically the environment, the situation that they're they find themselves in is controlling them, like their thoughts and their emotions and behaviors, whereas. If we, if these individuals learn the tools so that if and when these situations do come up, they're better able to prepare for them, right? Mentally. And, you know, I see the same thing with you and what you do, right? Taking this preventative approach, doing X, Y, Z to, you know, put themselves in a good position to achieve good gut health, which, you know, as we'll find soon, um, you know, is the, the root you know, foundation to a lot of health issues that could put someone in, in a better place to prepare themselves to have a better overall health. Right. And so, and as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, there, there is so much connection between the mind and body and, you know, that, that connection between mental health and gut health that most people don't realize. Can you speak more to that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I just love the, <laughs> the story that you just told and everything with your practice, because it is really kind of the landscape of how things are right now. Like as a, as how I mentioned before with the conventional medicine kind of system and like in, even in your practice, right. There's a lot of areas where I hear the same stories over and over again, where um, people kind of just wait until things are like you had mentioned, like an out of control fire they let these brushes build up in their lives, and I think that we're kind of reaching a point where that is that that it's kind of over. Like it's overbearing; it's becoming too much. Like I think that people are starting to realize that, like, when we wait too long for these things, that sometimes it's even too late to take care of them when kind of that giant fire forms and I just love that you you kind of do have the same view as it as I do because like I've heard so many people talk about the same thing in like many different areas whether it be like mental health gut health uh, physiological health even like dental health everything I've heard so many stories like that and yeah, it's just it's really um, I really like how you put
0: it. Yeah, man, uh, it, it, it's uh, you know, and it, it's it's true. I mean, even like, you know, as as I mentioned, you know, my special season, my specialty is in mental health and when I tell my, you know, people in general as it relates to their mental health, it's it, it's so much easier to work on and build up the tools You know, knowing how to deal with conflict, you know, in general, or deal with conflict with your partner, or how to talk about your emotions, or maybe stuff that happened in your past that maybe you never addressed, and so if we're able to clear out that brush, okay, and so you know, we're better able to put ourselves in a better position so that we have gained the tools necessary so that we are ready to go, right? Because life is going to happen whether we like it or not. Like, we didn't. No one, no one knew. Ex, you know expected this whole coronavirus to, to hit like mm-hmm. no one came into 2020 thinking this was going to happen right and so you know we're finding that people you know their you know their mental health and their physical health but especially mental um is being challenged right now and you know i'm finding you know more and more people you know wanting to learn more skills to help them cope with this situation and whatever you know adverse situation to find themselves in right so that's why you know i just and i agree that you you mentioned like it's mental physical physiological dental like whatever you want to call it right like if, you know if you're not taking care of your teeth if you're not flossing and brushing on a consistent basis you're looking you're asking for trouble right so you yeah. might as well take that preventive approach so you don't have to you know worry about doing all these procedures and, and racking up the bills right
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: exactly
1: Yeah. And even in my, in my part-time job, too, I've seen a huge change, too, with this, this whole, like, isolation going on with the mental health aspect and people's kind of mental health flaring up. Um, and I also kind of see the same thing that you do where now people are all of a sudden, like, trying to be healthy because there's a virus out there that is threatening their health, right? So I kind of have a similar situation where there's like all these people reaching out now and it's like because the <laughs> there's like that threat, right? It's like a like kind of scary threat. But like really before all this happened, a lot of people really didn't care as much about their health.
0: Yeah, and it 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 kind of opens people's eyes about it, right? I mean, physical and mental. And so, like you know, what would you say? Speaking, I know you know we're talking about mental health right now and how everything going on. And, but just in general, like, is is there anything that you know specific to one's gut health that is can can impact the mental health?
1: Yeah, that is a very good question and very complex. Yeah, so like recently, the gut brain connection. Um, and the research on it has kind of exploded in since like 2012, I believe. Like it really, uh, started the research on it just started exploding and like, there's so much research on it now, but yeah. So a few things kind of between the connection between the gut and brain, uh, that will affect mental health one way, kind of, um, coming from the gut and then also could affect like your gut health. If like signals from the brain uh, are disrupting your, the way that your gut functions. Uh, so this is all controlled by the vagus nerve, which connects from the brain and then uh, goes to the gut. So that's the kind of form of communication that is used in the body. And it's like a direct connection. And it's not like it only goes one way where the brain kind of controls the gut function. Uh, the gut function also sends signals to the brain on how uh, the brain functions, so that could affect everything: your thoughts, your ideas, um, your state of mental health. And one of the the main reasons why the gut is so important in your brain health is because, um, like ninety five percent of the serotonin made in your body is created in your gut. So if you do have these like functional gastrointestinal health issues and say they might not be like enough to produce like symptoms where you notice you may still be like instead of producing as much serotonin as you could be like you may just be producing it at like a 60 percent efficiency rate so like that's kind of reducing the serotonin and that goes straight to your brain and that kind of reduces your own mental health state.
0: And yeah, I, I'm sorry. You know, if, I'm sorry to cut you off, but this is so important right now. That okay. you hit on this great point of serotonin. Okay, explain to people what serotonin. You know, it's a neurotransmitter, right? And so, explain mm-hmm. the importance of serotonin and how that plays a role in. Uh, and before you go on, you know, but I want to make sure you hit on this point. It's so important of how serotonin plays a role in like people's, uh, livelihood and even like certain disorders such as depression.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, serotonin, it's like the, like you mentioned a neurotransmitter, but it's like the kind of the target molecule for a lot of, um, ways that we treat depression. Uh, like one of the main medications we use is like a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, mm-hmm. SSRI. Those kind of sorry (laughs) i mean i am a dietitian so i'm not um i don't have like a hundred percent details on these
0: you're Um, good just speaking daryl you're good
1: (laughs) yeah they kind of um mess with the way that serotonin is produced in the brain so it kind of increases the the serotonin production Mm -hmm. in your brain and then, so, kind of looking at that with the gut brain connection, like some of the issues is like not really treating the actual the actual root cause of the issue because if if, for instance, you're not producing enough serotonin, then it's very highly likely that there's something going on in your gut that is causing you to not produce enough, right? And there's a lot of other kind of mechanisms that go into play here. Like, um, there could be an issue in the way that your, uh, brain kind of uses the serotonin. There could be a lot of other issues, but just the fact that like most of the serotonin is produced in the gut. Like I mentioned before, it's like a kind of, uh, a, a very low risk step you could take. And, you could have a very high reward for trying to um, like naturally treat your gut health issues and then increase the amount of serotonin that you produce. And serotonin is just the one that kind of is produced most in the gut. There's also GABA, um, other, other neurotransmitters that are produced in the gut, acetylcholine, other nutrients that are important for brain function, like melatonin as well, histamine, all of these things are very interconnected between the gut and brain health. And so, like I, like I keep mentioning, it's very kind of low risk and high reward if you focus on your gut health. And even with things like brain health, it could have a positive impact on us. Just one more thing about the medications. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that the medications are like not right for everyone, but I'm just saying that there are possibly other natural ways that people could kind of focus on their mental health.
0: Yeah, and that's so important, and I feel the same way too as far as, you know, medication use. I've always told, because, you know, I, I, I work with people who, uh, you know they have very and it's very common like whether depressive symptoms anxiety and so forth and I tell them, like, listen my job is to hopefully get you in a position where you can either lower your dosage or get off of it altogether right by taking you know by addressing their whatever mental issues that they might be experiencing but at the same time it's not that's not the end game and, you know as you mentioned it, it could be something within their gut that might be impacting that. I mean, you, you talked about these these different chemicals, these these neurotransmitters, right? You know, serotonin and how you know, obviously, like when people, when pretty much essentially, without going into more in too much detail, the more serotonin yeah. you have, the, the the happier you tend to be. It's one, it's one what I call the one of those feel good neurotransmitters, like dopamine, right? And so, yeah. um, this is what these SSRIs, through that process of re reuptake um, inhibitors, um, it helps keep, you know, and there's a whole complicated process such as it's called the action potential where, you know, you have these chemicals just flowing through these uh, different neurons and we want serotonin to keep flowing. And this is what, you know, medications like SSRIs, um, do, but at the same time, you know, as you mentioned, if we can do so in a more natural way, I would see like that would be more beneficial. And so, when you look at other things you talked about melatonin gaba those two the two things are related to sleep and people as you mentioned that could possibly and you know i'm, I'm sure it is have some have some sort of correlation between you or and other people not not being able to get quality sleep quantity and or quality to where you know they're over here taking you know the the melatonin supplements or they're taking nyquil or you know it's and again all these things are to help with symptoms but they're not really addressing the root issue. Um yeah. that's, 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 that's just so fascinating because, you know, we don't mean you know, most of us don't realize how you know, the mental health there's so much more involved.
1: Yeah, and uh like you were discussing with like the medications, like I mean they are they're very useful. I see I see them as like uh, kind of like when things are really bad, like a way to Mitigate the symptoms at the time while you kind of take care of the the root cause. Correct, but but the issue is most of the times, like um, we're just going into like a doctor, psychologist, and we're just getting put on these medications and never taken off of them. And it's like eventually they start to cause like imbalances in the body in other places. Just like the the SSRI's kind of mess with the natural production of serotonin and then um people could have issues getting off of them or they could have issues producing their own serotonin after they're off of them so um a lot of medications are very good and like can help kind of get through difficult times while you treat the like the root cause of the issue the way the way right now things are is like we're kind of just see the doctor and then Um, They give you medication, and you pretty much never get off of them.
0: Yeah, and it's very relatable to, you know, my approach to mental health and how I tell people that, yes, I I agree medications are necessary sometimes, especially when people have extreme symptoms or symptoms that, you know, because at the end of the day, for instance, if I'm trying to help them with whatever type of mental health they require, uh, mental therapy, if they're experiencing symptoms that are inhibiting their, you know, the ability of my work to be effective, then you know, of course, you you want to you know include medications. But medications, or even you know, like when I tell people, you know, I mean, think about the different ways people try to cope with, you know, adversity. Just just everyday adversity, right? You know, whether mm-hmm. it's stress, you know, relationship issues. You know, people people have their own way of coping. They they take it out. They get angry, or they go they'll like do drugs. They'll go, you know, go to a bar, get drunk. Right. But, and I tell people at the end of the day, the problem, you come home, the problems are still there. Right. And so like, yes, they are a temporary band aid, but you know, it's, you know, and that's why I, 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 my biggest passion, and it sounds like you are too, where it's to get to the root cause, the root issues to weed out that root. So you can effectively deal with it. So you're not just you're not just taking taking care of, and addressing the surface, you know, symptoms. You're digging deep, right? You're getting that root out, and then that could mm-hmm. put someone in a very good place mentally. Because you know, I mean, there's so many things that people go through that they don't realize how like how impactful so many parts of their mind and bodily systems are affecting them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that uh, <laughs> so that is. A- awesome and i appreciate that you kind of take that approach too because it's just it's seen in like a lot of areas of health like for instance in my area if for example a band-aid approach would be like doing the kind of elimination diet getting rid of foods like kind of what i did at first and you're kind of it's like a band-aid right like you're not you're controlling the symptoms But then you're kind of like putting yourself at risk for all these other like nutrient deficiencies and like other issues with health that could occur down the line. And so this kind of whole concept is like the difference between the conventional medicine approach we use right now and the functional kind of medicine approach, which is. Um, which has been around a while, but it's kind of starting to gain more steam. I think because people are starting to realize that you have to deal with the root cause, and that like the band-aid approach doesn't isn't really working anymore.
0: Yeah. So since you talked about that, let's go and let's go on and discuss discuss more about the conventional and functional medicine, and then uh, you know we'll get to some some other health issues. But you know, talk more about that you know, what, 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 are some differences between those two?
1: Yeah. So, uh, basically it's like the conventional medicine approach. They focus kind of on the symptoms that you're having. Um, and they'll give you like a medication to treat the symptom. Like for example, if you're having, um, like inflammation, they'll give you an anti-inflammatory. Um, if you're having constipation, you know, maybe they'll give you laxative or something. Right. But the issue is these medications don't address the problem. They kind of like say you take one pill and it works for that one day. Well, the next day you got to take the pill again for it to work again. So it's like the second you stop taking the medication, it's not going to start working. And the issue is like over time that could cause a lot of different imbalances in your body and a lot of other health issues. Functional medicine focuses on for example like with inflammation like they don't they're not just going to give you anti-inflammatory they're going to see like what is the cause of the inflammation because inflammation is not just there for no reason it's a signal to the body that something is wrong and when we use like a medication like anti-inflammatory we're just masking it with it's like a band-aid so in functional medicine You kind of look for, okay, what's going on? What's causing the inflammation? Is there an infection? Is there like a kind of hormonal imbalance? Is there a physiological issue? Is there some kind of structural issue, right? So they look for what is causing the inflammation and then treat that. This is huge right now in gastrointestinal disorders and like gut health issues because a lot of the main kind of gastrointestinal disorders right now are just symptom based like irritable bowel syndrome, IBS gastroesophageal reflux or like acid reflux IBD like Crohn's disease ulcerative colitis all of these things are just kind of ideas of symptoms so in the conventional kind of medicine model they're very bad at dealing with these like right now kind of if you go into a conventional doctor and you get diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS you're kind of just like they just tell you that and then you're kind of left on your own to figure it out and a lot of the things they do is like eliminate foods that aren't good for you right but there is actually something that's causing the IBS so functional medicine kind of lo- looks for those causes and even even away from like gastrointestinal issues A very interesting kind of functional medicine approach to treating disease was done by uh, Dr. Del Bredesen. He's the first person to reverse Alzheimer's using a functional approach. And so what he kind of did is um, he kind of explains how the medications used for Alzheimer's are not really effective and why they're not really effective because they kind of just target one one kind of um, issue. What he does is he uses, like, a multi-targeting approach where he targeted, like, 29 different kind of lifestyle, diet, other issues going on in people's lives. And he uses, like, natural methods, supplements, diet changes, like, lifestyle changes. And the way he kind of explains it, and I think it's a great way to explain how functional medicine works is like if you have your roof, right. And it's raining and there's water linking in through your roof. So a medication, like let's say there's like 30 different holes in the roof, right? The medication might plug one of the holes, but then there's still like pretty much the same amount of water getting in because there's 29 other holes still letting water in. So the functional medicine approach kind of addresses each issue to solve the problem to solve like plug all the holes and kind of deal with each issue and this is like very well documented by like Dr. Bredesen he was the first person to reverse Alzheimer's disease and I believe since the first person that he reversed it in he's now reversed it in like I believe like over a hundred people So yeah, there's, (laughs) he explains it very well, how like kind of a functional medicine works. But the, the big difference is that it kind of focuses on the root cause and not just the symptoms.
0: Okay, man, that's a good story. I mean, you know, just like how much is involved in the differences between the two, right? Because so many of us and myself included you know we take certain things to help us you know be able to eat certain things or to be able to control symptoms but um, a lot of us don't really realize what we need to do to be able to get our gut health in check is there any like common things that people can do common practices that people can do or supplements that they can take to as far as like the functional medicine side to help increase or enhance or better their gut health
1: so, a lot of like food that have that are high in prebiotics and probiotics are great for gut health. Some like a lot of prebiotics. There's a lot in different kinds of um, fruits and vegetables. That's why they're always like saying, you know, get a variety of fruits and vegetables. Probiotic foods like anything that's fermented, like yogurt, sauerkraut, uh, kombucha, kimchi, uh, kefir. All those foods are really good for gut health because they kind of, they contain the beneficial bacteria that live in your gut. So when you have those, they um, help with digestion, they help with absorption. They can be very helpful in uh, producing some of the vitamins that you need for your physiological health. So like including a lot of the probiotic and prebiotic foods in your diet is a great start for everyone. And I would say for most people, the most important thing is balance and consistency. Overall, like right now, there's a lot of kind of like the diet culture, right? Mm. There's always like a new diet every day. There's like the keto, like the ketogenic diet, um, you know, low carb diet, intermittent fasting. There's always kind of these new diets coming out. And the, the issues with those is just they don't. They don't last forever, and in the long term, they have worse effects than the benefits. So, like people that go from diet to diet, kind of are ruining their gut health. Like for instance, uh, ketogenic diet. A lot, like people could see benefits when they're on the ketogenic diet because they are kind of taking out a lot of carbohydrates, and so people that see benefits from that usually do have like a gut health issue because the carbohydrates, what they do is they contain the prebiotics. And if the person doesn't have a balanced gut microbiome, then the prebiotics feed the good bacteria, but also the bad bacteria. So the carbohydrate intake could have a lot of issues in people with like imbalanced guts. So in that case, it kind of works. But as we discussed before, like, it's an indicator of a problem it's not it's not a long-term solution so for and the science on like diets is pretty clear um most people that go on diets you uh you kind of lose a certain amount of weight while you're on the diet and then after you get off the diet because everyone does get off the diet you don't really maintain it forever um, you gain back all of the weight that you had before, and then you gain back, like, plus 20 or 30 more pounds. So for the yo-yo dieter, like, kind of each diet you go on, and then you return to eating as you did before, you're, you're adding, like, 10 to 20 pounds each time. So the reason I talk about, like, balance and consistency is because it's something that kind of lasts a lifetime, and something that you could practice daily and a kind of easy way to practice this is something called the 80-20 rule it's just basically like 80% of the time you are focused on having like balanced healthy diet and then 20% of the time you could have whatever you want and for each person that could look different right but the whole idea is that you're not, you're not restricting, like, the foods that you actually want, which could lead to you, um, like, later wanting to have those foods more or, like, kind of falling off the wagon like sometimes people on diets do. Like, you'll go on a diet for a long time, and then all the foods that they couldn't have while they were on the diet, right, the second they're off the diet, they kind of just eat more of those foods than they would have um, if they had just had them at the time that they wanted to. So overall, like, I think for the general population, the most important thing is balance and consistency. Like, if you want a piece of cake, then you shouldn't feel guilty about having it, right? Because more likely, like, the guilt you feel from that is gonna actually have more negative consequences than, um, the actual food itself.
0: Well, Yeah. I mean, amen to that, man. <laughs> you know, and I can't tell you, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure a lot of people are intrigued by diets and I'm sure, you know, I mean, you brought up the, the keto diet and that that's the new one, right? That, that's that's a big one that many people are finding themselves engaging in and I'm sure there are people out there that are contemplating you, right? Either that or, you know, other types of diets and um I'm glad you brought that up. And trust me, you're not the first or last professional Okay, we're t- again this is why it's so important to for people and I tell all my you know students and, and clients like be a critical thinker don't just listen what you what you hear on social media or the, you know anywhere else listen to look at science okay there's science to you know to explain and listen to the the well-trained professionals because they I think they know what they're doing what they're talking about right because at the end of the day you know it, it's like you said it, it's it's longevity right it's being able to maintain and you know, and it's at the same time, you know, you're able to just enjoy, you know, obviously uh, a good balance, but enjoy what you're eating and not to feel like, oh, my God, I can't have a cookie or I can't do this because I'm on, I'm on keto or anything else like that. Right. Whereas it's, it's a matter of controlling and, and, and balancing your diet. I mean, how, how, how long have you heard about a healthy, balanced diet? It's been around forever and for a reason. Right. And that's why, like, you know, so many people, you know, they find themselves with so many health issues that they don't realize that you know there is an impact um from their gut health and like diet is one of them like and because they don't know what they're doing to their bodies but like what are some other health issues that you've come across you know in which a lot of people don't realize the root issues like their gut health their gut health is and i and i know from experience right because as, as i told you before like you know my my you know, I'm very sensitive to greens like spinach and broccoli and asparagus <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's a worse timing too that just I was about to like you know I was enjoying the greens and trying to be healthy and now my body's say no and so and, and you know I had a, as we talked about before I had to put a band-aid on it and take things like beano right to be able to eat them and be able to process them but but again yeah. the, the issues still remain right so wait where are some other or you know where are some health issues that you know you, you typically find
1: yeah there are so many and yeah like like you mentioned the, like the green thing that's that's common for people with gut health issues and it kind it relates to what i was discussing with like the prebiotics feeding both the good and bacteria so like sometimes if you're eating foods that are generally considered healthy, and you're having issues with those foods. It's most likely an imbalance in your like gut microbiome that is causing these issues. So, a lot of other issues that can occur that people might not even realize are linked to gut health are pretty much all autoimmune diseases. Um, so, some common autoimmune diseases which are related to gut health include like arthritis, type one diabetes. Uh, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, psoriasis, and there's just so many today, Alzheimer's. There's so many that we're kind of seeing each and each day that autoimmune diseases are exploding. And if you look into the literature on it, they're very closely correlated with gut health issues. There's also other issues that might not even seem like they're related to gut health. Uh, For instance, like back pain, uh, muscle and joint aches. Um, I know this is anecdotal, but like I had this back pain and like pain in my hip and my joint every day when I was having gut health issues. And now on the days that I don't have gut health issues, it's just gone. like, I thought it might be like a mechanical issue where I was like sitting at the computer on or something, but like it completely disappeared since. Um, I haven't had my other gastrointestinal symptoms and that's just that's anecdotal but there is also a lot of literature on it some other conditions include like the common uh, gastrointestinal issues IBS acid reflux bloating abdominal pain celiac disease and then also other things that you might not even think are related at all like autism is related to gut health major depressive disorders Non-alcoholic fatty liver. There's a huge correlation with that one. Uh, schizophrenia, also, um, depression, anxiety, uh, migraines, headaches, respiratory issues, migraines, headaches, food allergies, athlete's foot, vitamin deficiencies, changes in appetite. There's just, the list just keeps going and going. And like, even if I were to go into all the autoimmune diseases, there's just a ton right now. Um, and this is, this is the main reason why I kind of at the beginning stated that this is a very kind of low risk and high reward, um, step to take in like looking at your gut health and trying to have good gut health. And then like a few, so just some like reasons why these things occur with these different conditions, for instance, like with, food allergies and respiratory issues. So the molecules, or sorry, not the molecules, like the actual organisms within your gut, they create like pretty much most of the molecules that control like your epigenetics, which is the expression that your genetics chooses to kind of uh, express. I mean, your genetics are kind of like a blueprint for your body, right? But epigenetics is what you actually express. So, for instance, in a person that has uh, respiratory issues, a lot of the um, production of molecules in the gut microbiome could either cause or help respiratory issues. Um, And the reason is because the molecules in the gut create either anti-inflammatory or inflammatory molecules and also with respiratory issues the gut organisms that you have create different kind of molecules like co2 uh, which is carbon dioxide um, methane and also um, yeah and also other gases right so if you have an imbalance in those kind of organisms in your gut it could cause respiratory issues like asthma or shortness of breath, even COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, because the gas exchange that the um, organisms in your gut are creating can make it harder to breathe. It's harder to breathe in oxygen when you have an excess production of carbon dioxide and methane. And then another reason why a lot of these issues these conditions are linked to gut health issues is because the once your gut health is compromised, you can get start to get like perforations in the gut lining, which is commonly called leaky gut. And there again, like since 2012, there is a lot of literature on this. Um, and the reason why it causes these different health issues when the, gastrointestinal lining is perforated it causes um, like different cytokines and inflammatory molecules to escape into the blood and what happens when that when that occurs is that you could have like that joint pain the muscle pain because these inflammatory molecules are getting into the muscles and joints they're getting into the bloodstream so they're going everywhere and over time that kind of low-grade inflammation that's occurring could cause all of these like autoimmune diseases. And that's one of the main reasons it causes them. The low grade inflammation kind of attacks the integrity of the systems. Like for instance, in Alzheimer's, it's um, con- like the brain is constantly under attack and over time it degrades. And that is kind of the, a lot of the pathophysiology for most of these conditions.
0: And yeah, I mean again, it's more information that myself included that yeah, I didn't realize all this stuff was going on. I'm sure people listening in. I mean you, you, I mean, you list so many things and you talked about so many things that the general population don't realize. Just like what's going on behind the scenes in one's gut, right? Like oftentimes that's like the last place people think of to like where their issues kinda reside. You know and so like and it's so fascinating to hear all this stuff and and like i know people you know listening are, are wondering like talked about you know what people can do in general to better their overall gut health and therefore better you know as we talked about already so many different aspects of their mental and physical physiological health but like for someone such as elite athletes for instance is there anything else because I know we're going to have some listening in is there anything on top of what you talked about already that they should be focusing on because you know they tend to expend more energy and calories and so forth compared to the general population
1: yeah so um, yeah when talking about elite athletes I think it's important to talk about performance and rather than like aesthetic kind of look because I've I've worked with athletes in the past And like, as being a dietitian, my main focus is always performance. But what I noticed a lot of times, like when people were coming in is they were worried about like how their body looks kind of. So like everything that I kind of address is not, I mean, typically like performance and kind of the athlete look do go hand in hand, but the focus here is all about performance and not really about the, the aesthetic look. That's just, um, like, what I'm focused on. So some things with that and, like, energy intake that's important to remember is that athletes kind of absorb things differently than sedentary people. The reason they absorb things differently is because when you're working out, like, your body produces more insulin and other hormones, so the absorption rate of like the food that you eat is a lot higher in athletes also in the, like based on how much they work out it increases their metabolic rate so they're able to absorb and typically have are like better at absorbing and have an increased rate of digestion i know a lot of the like, diets right now are really kind of restrictive but for athletes it's really counter counterproductive because the athletes typically need more more energy intake for good performance and some kind of intricacies in that is like also timing of the energy intake some of the most important or probably the most important meal for athletes to have is the post-workout meal right like if you ask if you ask most like dietitians they'll say What's the most important meal of the day? Breakfast. But if you ask a sports dietitian, they will probably say post-workout meals. The reason for that is because while you're exercising, as I mentioned before, you're producing more insulin and you're producing more of those hormones that change the way that your body absorbs these nutrients and especially carbohydrates. So after you work out, there's like this 30-minute window where you're producing a lot of insulin. So the carbohydrates that you do have in your diet are going straight to the muscle rather than um, at times where you don't work out, the carbohydrates might not, there's still some getting kind of going to the muscle, but uh, it might go to other areas of the body, right? So you're getting a lot of benefits from carbohydrates when you eat them like directly after a meal. The like most important meal for an athlete is probably post-workout meal and the most important kind of um the most important macronutrient. I know we always hear protein, right? But I would say it's probably carbohydrates because the protein that you get, typically the rate of absorption that you have it, like having um, I think it's like twenty five grams is is kind of the the tipping point where it's the most you could absorb after a workout. So that's pretty easy to get, but I think a lot of people might not be getting adequate amounts of carbohydrates after workouts. And then as far as like gut health, a few like different kinds of things that I've read up on for athletes. As far as like um, supplements, there are a few that I found that are the most beneficial. Probably one that's the most beneficial is um, it helps. Because when you work out, the reason why your absorption is increased is because the lining of your gut kind of opens up and absorbs more. So this supplement is called uh, colostrum, and what it is, it's kind of like the first bit of milk that is produced from a cow, and it's very high in like in growth hormone, and like it produces or it helps you produce natural uh, stem cells. And so the reason that's important in gut health is because one, it could help prevent the leaky gut that I kind of talked about earlier, and also it could um, increase like your natural stem cell production, which can ultimately lead to uh, more muscle growth.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good stuff right there, man. Because you know it's it's one thing you know we hear about all these different types of supplements or different types of diets and stuff like that. Especially you know I'm sure athletes you know from the professional then you have amateur and everything in between you know you ha- you see how you know they're they're taking they're, they're taking different things they're doing different things and you know yourself you know being a former former athlete you're, you're a former mma fighter correct yes okay so you know i mean you've been there and only are you trained professionally in this stuff you've been there as a as a as an athlete but you know it, it's awesome to know that you're able to utilize you know your your educational training and research along with your your profession your experience as, as an athlete
1: yeah and that was yeah it's been a while since i was an athlete but yeah like looking back on it i do kind of um remember all these things like i remember how much more I was eating back then and how much more um, carbohydrates I was having back then than I'm having now. And like, <laughs> I remember like aesthetically, I was like, you know, I had a lot more muscle and I was a lot less fat, but I was kind of eating a lot more back then. So I think like the most important thing is a lot of these diets that are out there are restrictive and for athletes, particularly that's I think that could cause a huge like hit in performance. And the reason I was talking about kind of aesthetics versus performance earlier is because a lot of these diets may co- may like lead to uh, you know a different kind of look. You know, like less like less fat, and it'll be like in the short term, right? Like you'll see a, a benefit quickly, and it w- it won't really last, but. I think um, that's like one of the main reasons why the diets like people get on and they see like a quick effect and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the the new thing to do, right? But like looking back on my experience and other people's experiences, like for athletes, it's it's completely different. Like they actually need less restrictive diets. Like they need more energy intake. Um, they need more carbohydrates. So like if an athlete's looking through on social media like they might see all this thing on like ketogenic diet uh low carb diet uh vegetarian diet right like all these really restrictive diets and they're not really good for i mean (laughs) from my from my opinion like they're not good for like most people like probably like 95 percent of people but especially for athletes like those are not like these diets are not made for them
0: Yeah, and that's good to know, man. You know, especially when you have athletes who are developing, who are are younger, whether it's, you know, youth, high school, college, right? This stuff is important to know, because they're, you know, as you mentioned, they're going to see things, you know, whether it's social media on, you know, uh, just the regular internet, wherever they find, you know, websites, they're going to see things and it's important for them to know the facts, know the science behind this stuff so that they can put themselves in a good position to achieve the best performance they can, you know, in and, and competition and life in general too, because I tell, I tell my athletes, like, you guys have, you guys have machines that you need to, you need to take care of, right? And this is just one of the most important, you know, things that they can do. And addressing this stuff. And again, <laughs> obviously, it's not only for athletes, but for anyone. It's, I mean, you know, anything performance-based, right? And that's essentially anything. I don't care what you do. Yeah, some people expend more energy, whether it's athletes, you know, or if you work out in the gym, or whatever it is, or just living your everyday life. I mean, by addressing these things. Taking care of these things and it'll help you do whatever it is that you do. So much it'll help you be more efficient and more healthy and have you, you know, reduce all these issues that people find themselves in and, and experiencing, um, so that someone can have a good mental and physical life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, man, you know, you definitely brought a, a lot of value, a lot of good information to to the listeners today. So I appreciate that. So if anyone wanted to get a hold of you and contact you and find out more information about, you know, gut health, about what you do, uh, what would be the best ways they could find you? Um,
1: So first off, my website, HealthyGutRD.com, that has a lot of, a lot more explanation of a lot of things that I talked about today. Um, It goes into detail in how you could kind of take steps to treating these functional gastrointestinal disorders if you have them. And also it provides some of the general information for nutrition and health. I also have like a free 30-day meal plan on there. It's like a balanced meal plan that meets all of your vitamin and mineral and nutrient um, needs for the day for each day for 30 days. And there's different kinds. There's like the Mediterranean one. There's even ones for people with uh, diabetes, people with heart health issues. And even I even have a vegetarian diet on there for people that may want that. So it's just like, it's just a free 30 day meal plan to get people to kind of get an idea of what like a balanced diet looks like. So that's on my website as well. If you have any specific questions, you can email me at guthealthnutrition at gmail.com. And then um, I also have an Instagram, which is the underscore healthy gut underscore RD. I just post on there and talk about a lot of the things that I discussed today. And yeah.
0: Awesome. All right, man. Well, yeah, like I said, you definitely bought a lot of value, and I'm sure there's more details on what you have. So if anyone's interested in in learning more about it, reach out to my good friend, registered dietitian, Joseph Bartolone. So, again, Joseph, I I appreciate you coming on. I know so many people are going to gain so much knowledge and information to help them in their own lives. So, um, yeah, thank you again for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for
1: having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, everyone, be safe, be easy. Take care. Again, thank you for my guest, Joseph Barloni. And uh we'll be talking soon, guys. Take care.